You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Referral Mortgages and Blue Panda Realty, with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate in our nation's capital. Good morning. Good afternoon, everyone. It's the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. We are without Greg Campbell, so I don't have to wait for him to laugh today. I'm here with David Warren. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, <laughs> quick shout out. Just want to say before I even introduce myself, we'll, uh, we'll say a quick shout out to our sponsor, North Brew. If you go to northbrew.ca and use the promo code podcast, you'll get uh, 20% off your order. And on every order you make, 20% of those proceeds go to help uh, local homeless shelters. So, you know, it's that time of year. Uh, it gets colder, it gets a little harder to see, uh, you know, people on the street. So, uh, if you buy some coffee, it will, uh, 20% of that's going to go to helping local homeless shelters. It is the auto real estate podcast. Uh, my name is Paul Stevenson. I am one of the owners of referral mortgages and a mortgage agent. And I'm here with David Warren, who is my business partner. He is also an owner and mortgage agent at referral mortgages. Greg is not with us today, unfortunately. Um, but we do want to wish his uh, wife a happy birthday as well. And a happy birthday. And speaking of birthdays, David, I feel like you may have some news for our listeners. Yes, yes. Yeah, wow. wow. What is it? Wait, uh, just r- cut right into it. No. <laughs> Rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, no, I was, uh, I was off last week. I wasn't here for last week's show, which I must say is, was a, a great show. And we'll definitely touch on a couple of those topics today. But uh, I had the, uh, the birth of my firstborn on December hey, 2nd. Oh. Yeah, so I get to, uh, I've joined the, the dad train with uh, you and Greg. <laughs> Yeah, I was saying I was Sleepless laughing saying that you might you might actually appreciate the dad jokes a bit more now. The mood boost. Eh, eh, It'll grow eh, on you. Yeah, you can't help it. That. I don't know about that. <laughs> you can't help it. Um, the other thing I was kind of laughing about this morning, um, aside from your baby, uh, is that uh, you were saying you you just started getting newspapers again delivered to your house. Everyone's kind of moving to that digital platform for news intake. But you uh, you're going the other way. I'm going the other way. No, I love, I love the newspaper. I thought, uh, you know what? It was my first job I ever had at seven years old of delivering newspapers. So why not uh, continue supporting the industry? So I, uh, I think I'm probably the only one in my area and Globe and Mail is losing money on gas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they just have an Uber driver house. drop it off to your one house eh, on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I decided over the weekend, I've been wanting to get uh, the newspaper delivered for a while. I, I consume a lot of news and I love a physical paper. So did yeah, that I over think the weekend. Gonna, that was my that was my big purchase. That wasn't I think, Amazon. <laughs> I think people will probably shift potentially back that way. It's uh, there's so much. Well, I shouldn't say. I mean, you probably get misinformation in newspaper too. But there's so much information online that it's it's virtually impossible to get like a true nonpartisan. Just like here is the news. You know, at least if you're mm-hmm. reading it, you can kind of take your time, dissect it a bit more. And uh, I don't know. It's a definitely a different way to take in information. I've been thinking about doing it recently myself. So it's kind of hilarious that you said that you might, you might push me over the edge. Um, well, you have a working fireplace and you go through, you, you have a fire every day. So that's at anything at least is going to save you money on the, uh, the kindling. That's true. And fire yeah. starter. We actually got, I had two more cords. Shout out to, uh, 
Lacosa. Oh my gosh, did you get it right? Um, they you shout them out when you don't know them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they uh, they dropped off two more chords on the on Friday, and uh, me and the boys stacked that in the in the garage. So we're uh, we're definitely stacked. I well, should last at least a week or two uh, of flyers. <laughs> but yeah, the kindling. Basically, when I get flyers now, they're the only thing I have that's made of paper now. So I just you know use that little kindling. So any uh, any newspapers, I'll certainly take those. That'll be fantastic for sure. Um, so in the news, so you weren't here last week. Yeah. Any reflections? Any uh, any things you wanted yeah, to add I it was or a, comment on? I thought it was a great episode. Um, I thought you know one topic that was discussed was about uh, uh, tax on your primary residence. You know, kind of avoiding or taxing home flippers. I think you know one thing that wasn't uh, that wasn't touched on or that might people might be misconstrued on is is this is people with their primary residence home flipping has always been taxed at a hundred percent. So flipping homes as a business is taxed at a hundred percent. So like I, I flip homes as well on the side. I, you know, this past year I've only done one, but uh, I've done multiple, probably upwards of six, seven uh, in the last few years when claiming it on your personal taxes, it's business income. You're taxed at a hundred percent. If you're doing it in a court, if you're doing it in a company, your company is taxed on that revenue at a, you know, at that full tax rate on that revenue. So this is, so, you know, home flippers have always been taxed and in the news, it makes it seem as though they haven't been, or that they've been able to get away with, you know, paying only 50% or of the capital gains. Uh, when that's not, that's not true. Um, you're actually, you know, flippers as a business is, is being taxed fully. It's those that are trying to say that they're moving into it renovating and selling it off, that would be, you know, skirting it, but that's, they're just reporting it illegally to CRA regardless. Um, you know, they're not like that woman that bought it four years before her closing date and, uh, and finally moved in and life changes happened. And mm -hmm. you know, they're trying to claim it as a, as a flip. That's not, you know, that, that, that wouldn't constitute, but, but home flipping, I just wanted to kind of touch on that home flipping has always been taxed as a business, uh, as business revenue and, and at that full, full rate. Yeah, it's. I think the the change that they're seeing now is that twelve months for primary homeowners is what they're trying to propose, and that's obviously mm. as a deterrent to people doing that. So you know, if you're if you're saying that it's going to be a primary home and you're moving into it, you know, you obviously typically would have to sign some form of you know affidavit or, or agreement at your lawyer stating if the lawyer has any kind of assumption that maybe you're going to do a flip. You know, depending on the the area of the home or or you know if there's been a lot of flips kind of in that in that neighborhood recently or you know mm -hmm. they have their finger on the pulse or anything that kind of tips them off that maybe this won't be your primary residence. Um, you may have to sign kind of a, a letter at your lawyer stating that yes, I am going to be residing in this home and so on. So people will sometimes just sign that letter and really have no intention of moving in. And that's I think what they're trying to deter by this is anyone that, you know, is doing it for the sake of flipping and trying to skirt hmm. that tax, they're going to, they're going to get kind of penalized. Um, and then I think you're right. What happened to that woman in, I think it was Markham was that they assumed that she was flipping when really she was living in the home. And, so, and she never, she didn't have any other property, you know, she didn't, she, what she didn't own another home converting that to a rental and moving into this one, you know, and then just saying that or having multiple properties, I mean, rentals as well, um, if you have a rental property and you sell it, that is taxed as a rental. There's a cap, there's capital gains on that as well. So if you own a home already, you buy a new build, you say you're moving into it, um, you know, and you don't, well, that's, you know, then you're misreporting it regardless of that, 
you know, of that fact. But if you're buying a new build, you're buying it as a rental, that's going to be taxed as a rental. Even if, if you sell it within a week, within five years, it's still taxed. You're still paying capital gains on it. So it's really people that are, you know, basically misreporting that they're moving into it when they're not and they're staying in their current home. But that's, that's a completely different issue mm-hmm. uh, altogether. I mean, investment properties, um, f- flips, they've all been, they've always been taxed. And so, you know, there's, I think there, there's a lot of just headline grabbing and trying to just deflect the attention away from the fact that, you know, as we keep saying the, you know, that there's the municipal, provincial and federal um, uh, red tape for building and increasing supply in the market is what's driving prices and not home flippers. These, you know, people that they're trying to call home flippers, like the woman that bought a place four years before, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, they need to kind of just stop going for attention grabbing or headline grabbing and just focus on that, that core issue, which, um, you know, kind of leads to do as well with, you know, where, where inflation's going and all of that. And, and I know this week, uh, I believe it's this week, uh, the finance minister, Christina Freeland is going to be announcing, um, some, you know, how the, uh, changes in, uh, the bank of Canada, uh, policy for, for increasing prime is going to be, and what, you know, what she called, what she deemed as guardrails last year, um, are going to dictate what, you know, when bank of Canada should make those changes. Uh, they kind of made that policy change that the federal government will have some say every five years as to how that, uh, how, Prime will be will be adjusted and, and inflationary uh, monetary policy. So it'll be interesting to see this week what those guardrails deem as. I mean, right now unemployment mm-hmm. rate is where it was in February of 2020, right before the pandemic, uh, where they've said we've fully rebounded from an employment standpoint. Um, so it'll be interesting to see whether they're in their uh, update or budget update this week, and as well this monetary yeah. policy. With the yeah, it's government. been interesting if, if over the last. Anything. It's been interesting over the last two months when, uh, well, I guess end of October when um, the government assistance kind of slowed that the Mm -hmm. restaurants and everything has opened up to capacity now. Like everyone has been able to find people in the workforce, it seems. Um, There's still a huge shortage. There's definitely still a huge shortage. I mean, every most, you know, a lot of restaurants that I, I mean, I, go to restaurants quite a bit and, and being right along Preston. Um, a lot of restaurants can't open up capacity still because they're still limited on, on kitchen staff. Um, is okay. where the biggest is. I know one of the, uh, uh, new steakhouses down on, on Elgin Harmon's fantastic, uh, place actually. Uh, but they, they aren't able to run it as, as high a capacity as they'd like to because of, uh, or open up longer hours because they're, they're short on staff and you see hiring everywhere. I, it's really an issue. I, I don't know where, um, you know, what's driving the the lack of employment base there, but it'll be interesting to, to see if they, this week, whether they announce anything of, of curtailing the, the spending, um, uh, you know, this stimulus in, and it's whether, interesting you, know, you say that they, need, I to, figured... they need to cut it back. They need to, to shut off that at some point. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I went there is because you, you know, you stated that the unemployment is where it was pre pandemic. And I have at least personally noticed, like, especially being just out, you know, in malls and, uh, in restaurants as well. Like it seems like restaurants are certainly more full than they were when they first opened, you know, a month or two ago. And that I, I assumed was due to being able to hire more people. Cause in the beginning, even when they were full capacity, you know, there wasn't as many people out. And obviously a part of that is kind of, you know, 
fear potentially by some of the public, mm-hmm. but I also thought, you know, speaking to people working there and so on, that there was that shortage. So uh, if you're saying that's still an issue, then I, it would be interesting yeah. to know like what industries had shortages pre-pandemic and then where those shortages mm-hmm. are now to see the the variants. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think it'll be an interesting week and next week to our, our episode to finish off the, uh, off the, the year going into the Christmas break will be, uh, will be an interesting one because the, the up budget update and, and this, uh, uh, monetary policy change by, by, uh, Christina Freeland will be, will have been released. So be a lot to, to talk about next week as well, but you know, on the, the topic of inflation there, I know I get a lot of, uh, emails about it from clients is, you know, whether they should lock in their variable rate to fixed, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's always a conundrum of people. Whenever it's in the news constantly of of rates increasing, what they should do, anything like that. Um, you know, really. You know, and I'll say my viewpoint, and you know, people could do their own research as well. But uh, variable rate over the last thirty years has won out every single year except for two, uh, where it was at a slight loss uh, compared to fixed. Uh, in comparison, right now you're getting variable rates at prime minus one or greater uh, than that, you know, prime minus one, prime minus 1.1, there's over a 1% difference between the variable rates right now and fixed. So if you're in a variable rate at, let's say prime minus one, so you're paying 1.45% right now, the five-year fix that you'd be converting to, or even four-year fix, if you're four years remaining, um, you know, with a variable rate mortgage, you could convert to a fixed rate at any point without any penalty. You cannot do it the other way. You can't convert from a fixed to a variable. Banks like you to lock into a fixed because they can hit you with huge penalties when you go and break. Because the statistics are 66% of people in Canada don't make it to the end of their five-year term. Whether it's a breakdown of a relationship, it's selling a home, refinancing uh, to pay down debt or pull out equity to, you know, do an, do an addition or to buy a truck or, you know, whatever it may be, pay for schooling for a kid, adding a HELOC. These things all uh, contribute towards breaking your mortgage. And two thirds of people in Canada do that within the first five years uh, or sell and walk away. Um, the, you know, banks like you to be in a fix because you pay in the greater of a three month interest or interest rate differential or IRD penalty. Uh, which is how much time looking at how much where your rate is current rates on the market, how much time you have left in your mortgage, how much interest the bank is losing. And it's a convoluted calculation of, of the interest being lost. And they pass that back to you on a variable rate mortgage. It's three months interest is the most you'll ever pay as a penalty. So the banks really do only typically market fixed rates because they want you in that because they know they're out for, they're not out for your best interest they're out for their shareholders, best interest. And they want to lock you into that fixed rate to get, um, the penalties converting from a fixed to a variable to a fixed, um, right now it's over a 1% difference between the variable and the fixed. Whenever the bank of Canada has historically increased bank prime, it's at a quarter point at a time. They increase, they wait, you know, a couple months, even a quarter, uh, to see how the economy handles it before making another increase. Um, the, you know, effectively you would need, Right now, the, diff- the spread between variable and fixed is an average of 1% to just you know, around one and a quarter, meaning you would need four to five increases in by the Bank of Canada to equal what that fixed rate would be. And then you would need subsequent increases to then be at a, you know, a uh, supposed loss. Now, the entire time that you've been paying 
drastically less in rate. You've been saving on your monthly payments. You've been paying off that much more principal and you've been saving on interest. So there's always three components to your, to your mortgage payment. Why would you go from 1.45 and make that conscious decision? I'm going to lock in at 2.79. Why would you almost double your rate voluntarily? You're, you know, you're increasing your payments dramatically immediately. You're paying that much more in interest and that much less in, in principal. It's costing you thousands and thousands of dollars. At the end of that as well, you also have a huge penalty if you were to break. Um, by you know your mortgage today, that balance is much larger than it's going to be whenever the rates, if the if prime goes up four times, you're, you're, it's going to be at a lesser rate. Your balance is going to be lesser in the future. So your interest being calculated is on a lesser balance as well. Um, you never know what's going to happen with the economy as well. We've got you know talks of Omicron, if that ever goes anywhere. We've got Evergrande, which defaulted on their um, their bond payments over in China, $30 billion, I think it's $3 billion in bonds, but they've defaulted. Um, you know, the credit rating agencies have reported that. You know, what that ripple effect of that $300 billion in, in Evergrande debt is going to do with the economy. Uh, you know, you never really know. So voluntarily jumping your payments before even before Bank of Canada even has an opportunity to do that, um, you know, to me doesn't seem worthwhile for the cost associated. Um, you know, really, if you look, I think the best trend is looking historically at 2008, coming out of the housing crisis there. It took them, you know, if you look at that that historic trend, it was once a quarter that they were increasing, and it in, and to increase it by a percent took them, I believe it was a, a two years to increase that one percent, uh, which you would then equal, and then you've got to increase it again further. So, um, you know, it's best to, in my opinion, it's best to stay the course on on variable, take advantage of those lower payments. Uh, you can also then, you know, if you want or you're afraid of those higher payments and being saddled with them when Prime goes up, well, switching to fix is going to increase those payments anyway. So what you could do is leave your payment, your 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 rate as a variable, and voluntarily increase your payments now. So figure out what the payment would be based on 2.79%, let's say. You know, that's a going fixed rate on a conventional mortgage right now. Um, set your payment, even though you're 145, set your payment as if it's at 2.79 increase your payment voluntarily. You're going to pay off. You're going to be paying what it's going to be if it goes up to that. And you're going to be hammering down your principal, saving a heck of a lot of interest. And then when it does, if, when prime does increase, you can then reduce your, your payment back and you're not going to notice any hit. But, um, you know, the, the thought of, of locking in and, and voluntarily hitting your saddling yourself with that huge increase of payments and, and higher interest is, uh, you know, it doesn't really seem, um, you know, to make too much sense um, to do so. And really it's just that historical trend that's, that's best to look at. I don't know if Paul, you have, uh, I know that I went on a little ramble there, but uh, or tangent, but I know you get I'm all still here, things. everyone. I am still yeah. here. I know you get um, emails all the time about it. Um, so. Yeah. I had a, uh, an actual, well, yes. Questions about that all the time. I think there's also <laughs> some confusion that most people think like they, they're, they, they may know that their variable rates convertible, but I think their assumption is, and oftentimes we have to clarify this when, when we're going through the the commitment part of it, like kind of here's the solution, you're on variable, here are all the ins and outs. We have to explain to people that the convertible rate is not the rate that you're currently at on your variable. Like people think if they're at 145 variable and it goes up to 1.7, 
and they convert it to fixed, that they're going to get a fixed rate of 1.7. It's not the case, right? You're going to have to get whatever the rate is that that lender is offering at that time based on what you have left in your term. So as you said, Dave, like if you have three years left, you're subject to the three-year term, three-year rate, excuse me. Um, so typically your rate's going to go up, like you said, like maybe a 1% or even a one and a quarter. And you're doing that to avoid the potential increase of a quarter percent or a half percent. So you're, you're voluntarily increasing it by five times what you're worried about happening once so or, or twice, you know? So mm -hmm. there, there is talk, you know, there's a lot of uh, headline, you know, saying, you know, uh, prime might go up 11 times or, you know, like basically two and a quarter, three and a quarter percent. Like that's, or th you know, sorry, 2.75%. Like that, in my opinion, would be crazy. Like if prime's sitting at 4% in, in the next year, that would mean a wreak havoc on the whole economy. But um, I did do a calculation recently for someone who was debating kind of between that fixed and variable, which is a very common question. And based on, they were putting 15% down. So the rates were, were better than most. Um, but we are comparing the fixed rate of, uh, of 2.44. This is about 10 days ago. So the rates have climbed a bit more since then, but 2.44 over five years versus 1.15% variable. And just on that difference of fixed and variable, their monthly payment savings. So just in monthly payments themselves, um, they were saving uh, over twenty thousand uh, dollars in five years, and then the interest savings was an additional forty-two thousand dollars based on their loan amount. It's a larger mortgage, but you know that means they're they're essentially starting with a sixty thousand dollar buffer mm. by not going fixed. So it's like how how important is that peace of mind to you? Which really, to me like the, the risk is the rate risk. Like the risk is that the rates may go up, but like how, how much is that worth to you? Is that worth $60,000 to have that peace of mind? And like you said, Dave, like my advice is just we'll voluntarily increase your payments by that $300 or $400. If you're worried about it, you're going to pay that anyways, if you go fixed. So just voluntarily pay that. And at least that's going to your principal and not to interest, you know, yeah. and you, you have a even further head start if rates do mm -hmm. increase. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting uh, conversation, um, and it's always a debate. I, I was, you know, it's all, you know, providing to clients the the differences between fixed and variable. Um, it is a personal preference, like you said. A lot of it is peace of mind for some people. Um, you know, thinking about having to think or even you know, going into a property or going in, you know, buying a property, and and that they kind of have that mental block of not wanting to think about or have it on their mind of you know what's Bank of Canada doing with Prime. Um, you know, and, and how is that going to affect my payments? Again, solution, increase your payments. Don't, don't think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that's easier to say than not, but, uh, they're, they're, you know, historically there's a reason why the banks push fixed and they only market fixed is because of the large penalties and they make mm -hmm. more money off it. It is not because it's in the best interest of the Canadian public. Um, yeah, bank, banks are companies. And they're trying to make profit. I mean, that is like the people that are lending you the money are obviously in it because it it makes them money to lend you money. So, I mean, it's like anything, you know, you have to kind of take a step back and think about who's giving you the information and do they have a benefit in giving you that information? If they do, ask a few more questions, you know, and the variable rate, you know, in that case, I was just talking about, there was a $400 a month, $420 a month difference in payments. So when you think, okay, 244, Still a very good rate, which it is historically, but the difference between 1.15 and 244, you know, it's like, oh yeah, okay, well, it seems like a pretty big difference. But you're talking $400 a month. Like that's a that's a really large savings monthly. You know, you're talking $5,000 a year. That's not, 
chump change. Like you're, that's a lot of mm -hmm. money that you're giving away for that perceived peace of mind. So it's really like, ask yourself the question, if you want to go fixed and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying, if you want to go fixed, why are you choosing that? And just make sure that you understand what you're basically giving up as far as cash and interest savings by taking that option. And, you know, especially if you're, if you're going the route of speaking to your bank and going into the branch, ask your advisor that question because they may not, you know, they may not know those calculations and worthwhile having them break that down for you. Like the same way I did for that client, just ask them, like, can you show me the difference between the fixed and variable over five years between payments, interest, principal pay down? What's my balance even after the five years? Um, cause those are all different and it's really important to know those numbers before, you know, this is a huge purchase you're making. So you want to be well-informed and you want to be making the decision that's right for you and your family, uh, you know, as opposed to, like you said, Dave, just being sold that peace of mind, maybe unwarrantingly. And, and again, we're not like pushing, pushing variable, but this is obviously, we're both very large proponents of variable and, and I'm pushing said, variable. I'm it pushing variable. I'll, 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 I'll say it. I'm pushing variable. <laughs> if someone asks me what I think I suggest variable, and this is what I explained to them because really it's, to me, it's a no brainer, but we also see it every day. So it's, it's a lot more, it's easy for us to say it's a no brainer because we, we see the numbers, we've run the numbers, we've done these calculations for, you know, nine plus years. And, uh, it, it's the proof is in the pudding. The, you know, the, um, there's, one one thing as well uh, with variable that that people uh, you know we touched on is people are worried about their payments going up you know when Bank of Canada changes prime so with a variable rate mortgage you know of course your your rate is variable so as if Bank of Canada increases prime or decreases uh, like they did during the pandemic your rate will fluctuate and with most of the banks your payments will increase or decrease accordingly as well um, there are some banks um, that you can, that your payment is fixed. So your payment on closing will not change if variable changes, it's locked in. So if, you're, if your concern is a fluctuating payment and budgeting, which is everyone, no matter of your situation, should be mindful of and, and budgeting you know, and accordingly is, is very important. Um, you can still get uh, with a major bank, um, your, a variable rate mortgage where the payment is locked in. If prime goes up, your payment does not change. Now, what happens is the amount of in that within that payment, the amount that's going to interest and the amount that's going to principal will change, and that that will fluctuate. Um, so, so if it is something where it's from a budget and from a lock-in in the payment, that's your most important. And it's not actually the rate side of it; it's just locking the payment. Um, speak to Paul or I; we can provide you guidance as to um, to what lenders do this, and as well for those of you that are buying investment properties. Um, yes. Yeah. You really do not look at the fixed rate. Um, look at variable. The percentage of people with investment properties that break their mortgage before the end of the five years is even higher than that two thirds because it, you know you you're not residing in it. Another investment opportunity comes up. Something changes in your life, or you're liquidating, or you're refinancing. Maybe tapping into equity to pay to buy another investment property, or to pay off some personal debt, or to use it to do something in your primary residence. Um, you have a higher propensity to do something with the with an investment properties mortgage than your primary residence as well. Um, going into a variable is your best bet. Um, again, a lot of investors gravitate want to gravitate towards fixed in a lot of cases because of the stability of payment. Again, speak to Paul or I. We can guide you as to which banks on a variable will be a locked in rate uh, or locked in payment rather um, to give you that peace of mind of payment stability. 
but as well of having that flexibility of the three months um, interest penalty, um, the lower rate, delta, et cetera. Oh, if you have anything to to, to chime in on or add, to I that. could go on about variable yeah. rates for a long time. I'm a huge uh, proponent of variable, and I have been I've taken variable my last three mortgages, and every single time I've been very very happy that I did because, um, you know, rates have stayed low for obviously quite some time now. Um, I did want to say on that note, David, you, you mentioned for for people to reach out. We are available. I know, you know, oftentimes, you know, people talk to me having listened to the show and they're just like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, we hear you on the show and we just assume that, you know, you weren't uh, still talking to clients given the fact that, you know, we do have the brokerage with agents and so on, but we are still active agents and, and I'm always open to those conversations as I know you are, David. So, you know, if you're a client listening to this or you're, or you're a homeowner, uh, or even a mortgage agent, uh, realtor, you have questions. I mean, we're, we're open. Our phone numbers are actually in the description. Our emails are in the description. Maybe the phone numbers aren't, but emails certainly are. Um, so definitely reach out. And, uh, you know, we love not only talking here, but we like talking to people as well about real estate. So if any of these things uh, kind of pique your interest or, you, you know, you want to get further clarity, by all means, uh, reach out anytime. And we're more than happy to hop on a call or video call or uh, we'll get you on the show even. You know, we'll have a guest. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, 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 um, maybe if uh, I'm throwing Steven for a, uh, a curveball here, but maybe you can bring this up, you know, before we jump off the, the variable versus fixed, I just want to illustrate or, or show, um, that this isn't just our own opinion, um, of, you know, variable, uh, being, you know, outperforming fixed. So this is a chart and we'll, we'll post it in the, in the, uh, in the notes as well, uh, of the, on the YouTube video. Um, this is since 1975, the trend of fixed versus variable variable is outperformed since 1975 till 2021 every year, except for four. Sorry. I said, I said two in the last 30 years. It's since, uh, since in the last 40 years, almost 40 years, it's been, uh, they've out, it's outperformed, um, every year, except for four. Um, you know, so scroll through this, you know, this isn't just Paul and I's opinion on, uh, on variable versus fixed, but you can certainly see, um, scrolling through of, of what, you know, where those are at and, and, and kind of how they've, how they've, uh, performed on that. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, do your own research. Um, you know, we always say, you know, speak to multiple professionals in the space, uh, and, and do your research on them. But, uh, but no, there's, there's a lot of content out there and a lot of, uh, information and, and historical information on, on the differences between fixed and variable. So I'll leave it at that. I won't, uh, keep going off on it, but, uh, but yeah. Numbers don't lie. Numbers, uh, numbers usually tell the story. Yeah. Well, Paul, should we, uh, should we jump into the mood boost? I would love that. Yep. Yep. I have four today, and uh, these are coming again from uh, from my aunt. I got a few more on that uh, on that Rolodex, and they're, they're they're pretty good. Number one, you guys might not know this, but I once worked at a cheap pizza shop to get by. I needed the dough. Okay, okay. See, everyone, Dave got a little chuckle there. It's the dad in him now. He's uh, he's chuckling. Number two. Well my friends and I have named our new band duvet. It's a cover band. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number three, I lost my girlfriend's audiobook, and now I'll never hear the end of it. Wow. Wow. 
Wow. And last but not least, why is it unwise to share your secrets with a clock? Well, time will tell. Time will tell. Okay. Okay. Wordplay. All right. Wordplay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Those are something. Those are something. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say we, we, you know, everyone who's, who's listening that is in the uh, mortgage industry. Um, if you're a new agent, thank you for listening. If you're an existing agent, thank you for listening. But if you're a new agent, uh, go visit the Ontario mortgage academy.com. Uh, this is an Academy that Dave and I are both, uh, very close to and connected with. And, uh, it's a, basically a free course for new or newer agents. So as long as you are a licensed agent or have registered for your mortgage license, this is a course that will basically give you, it's four weeks, one and a half hour a week, and it basically breaks down all the ins and outs of how to run a successful mortgage business. We're both facilitators. Um, so we talk about you know everything literally from getting a lead gen or getting a lead, excuse me, uh, to working with realtors to you know, you know, advising your clients, how to submit your file, everything basically that you're not taught in the licensing course. So there is another course starting January 12th. Uh, and I think there's five seats left. So if you're interested, I know we've had a few people that listen to the show that have registered, which is why I'm bringing this up. Um, so if you're interested in that, uh, register quickly because the seats do fill up fast. We've done two. They've both been great success and they've both been sold out also. So And they, they are free. There's no, they are free. There's no gimmicks, yeah. no gimmicks, no hidden anything. We just want to uh, educate the industry um, and newer agents where there's a lot of education lacking um, and they're not maybe necessarily getting it from their their brokerage or, or what have you, or, and so, or like Paul said, the, the courses to get licensed, don't teach you how to read a credit bureau or, you know, questions you should be asking your clients, things like that. So, uh, we're here to better the industry. And, uh, and so please, if you, if you are newer, uh, or new or, or just registered for your licensing course, uh, please go to, like Paul said, Ontario mortgage Academy, we'd be uh, happy to, uh, to have you on. And, and, I, and then I think, Start in January and then the next, and we basically will roll, we'll cycle a new one. And I think it's, you know, February or what have you. So if you, if you miss out on this, on the January one, then we'll open up the seats for February as well. So. Yeah. If you, uh, there's going to be some new courses coming out too. So keep an eye on there. If you are an existing agent, um, either way. Uh, so last but not least, go buy some coffee, northbrew.ca promo code podcast, 20% off your coffee order. And again, 20% of your of the proceeds go to local homeless shelters. Next week is going to be our last episode of 2021, which is crazy to even think about or say. Uh, but we are December, mid-December. Christmas is coming. Holidays are here. One more show. Days. And then we'll be back. We'll be back in January. Yeah, mind blowing. Days. Yeah. Better start Tomorrow, shopping. I need to when you're listening to this, it'll be eleven days. When you're listening to this, it'll be eleven days. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta wow. I gotta do some shopping. <laughs> wow we're within the 12 days of christmas at this point so get out get shopping stay safe drive safe we'll be back next week with greg we'll finish the year strong thank you everyone have a good day Deuces. the ottawa real estate podcast is brought to you by referral mortgages blue panda realty and stephen hopkins video Thanks for tuning in and please remember to like, comment, share, and most importantly, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you.